When you think of fathers and Father's Day, there's a lot of thoughts that transpire through our minds. We have a picture of love. We have a picture of laughter. We have a picture of respect and acceptance when we think of Father and Father's Day. There's also a sense of fear. Some have a sense of rejection. Some have a sense of disappointment. All of these are wrapped up in Father's Day. I've heard people say, I hate Father's Day. They had a bad family life, and it's sad. 
But others have said it's been a joyful day and a joyful life. And there is a lot of laughter that goes on. Clatter as you join together. And I would hope today that this day would be the first that I talked about. It would be a day of laughter, of acceptance, not of rejection, not of any of the awful things that some may experience. But I hope also as you look backwards, as I do, I look back in 1997, in the month of April, when my dad left this life at 55 years of age with lung cancer. And I miss him every day, even to this day. And uh, I'll have to tell you a little of something. I don't expect this to happen too soon, okay? But I have his guitar that he played in church many, many, many years ago, uh, a Gibson guitar. And I've been told that it was worth probably four or five thousand dollars but it's worth more than that to me because dad it was dad's I took guitar lessons when I was in as a teenager and daddy told me he said boy you might as well quit said you're not gonna learn (laughs) he said you just as well quit you know what I did I lay it down and I didn't pick it back up again until just a few days ago Daddy's picture and mother's picture is over on a shaft at the end of the couch. I picked up dad's guitar. I looked over there and I said, Daddy, I'm bound and determined to play that guitar. So every morning I've got my fingers uh, wore down. I've got them calloused right now, okay? They hurt. Those of you who play, you know what I'm talking about. And I look over at that picture every day, and and he was a good daddy. He was a loving daddy. But he discouraged me, and he disappointed me when I wanted to do something. He said, you can't make it. You'll never do it. And so I look at him. I say, Daddy, I'm bound and determined. I will play it. If you're looking down in heaven, I hope you'll be proud. I'm going to play that guitar. So I do that every morning at him. I loved him. I had a good daddy. But that was one of the things that I felt a rejection. And uh, maybe you feel some of that too. But you don't have to let that destroy you like I let it destroy. I could have probably been playing today if I would have just picked it back up and said, I'm going to learn anyway in spite of it. And I think that if I, uh, he saw that I was not practicing, okay? He saw it wasn't, he didn't want me to play. He saw that I was not practicing, okay? I want to talk to you about the greatest Father's Day. You just had a video, Daddy, you're my hero. I hope he has been yours, as I've said with me today. Chuck Swindoll has said that dads are not perfect, but he would also be the first to admit it. I hope you are. I, I will admit that I'm not perfect in every way. Nor am I infallible, much to my own disappointment, and uh, I'm not infallible. Therefore, I have to be truthful about who I am and how I am. I'm not always right on everything, even though my wife tells me, you want to be right on everything. I do. I want to be right on everything, but I know that I'm not right on everything. There's only one thing, though, that my dad, my dad needed 
as I was growing up. There's one thing that you and I as dads in this room needs. And I would say this to the wives and the ladies and to the children today. There is a need that your dad has today. And that we have today. And it's very plain and it's very simple. He needs to hear you say, Dad, I love you. You may want to put your arms around him. Say, Dad, I love you. The sad thing is that over the years I've heard people say, especially dads, to say that I've never been told that I was loved in all of my life. Until along come or came along one of his children and was more lovable and was always coming to him and saying, Daddy, I love you. And it did the world for him to hear that. I love to hear people say, I love you, don't you? Well, children need to learn that their parents, their dad especially, needs to hear those words, Dad, I love you. That's the greatest gift that you can possibly give. We love to give cards. We love to give gifts in our family. But the greatest thing that I desire is to hear every one of my family members saying, Dad, I love you. And I say back to them, yes, and I love you too. Nothing else really matters. I receive everything they have. We keep every card they give us. You send us one, we keep it. And uh, you'll find out that I'm that way. I try to keep everything and I tell my children, I say, they say, Daddy, why do you keep all that? I said, so you have more to sell at the sale. And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right, all right. I want to read to you Psalms 128. And this is a blessing to those who fear the Lord. Blessings to those who fear the Lord. And in this greatest Father's Day message, the man of God, the man that the Lord blesses can be you. Keep in mind with me the journey that these folk are making when this psalm perhaps is being written. Or perhaps thinking back on their journey into Jerusalem on a day of worship. Now they weren't walking on that day of worship, but you know that the rules were they couldn't walk very far on, on the day of worship. So it had to have been another day probably, but they were making their way to Jerusalem at a special time of worship. And as they were going, they were the kids were frolicking along, and they were singing also as they were going. And these psalms are some of the songs that they were singing. And I'm going to get backed into something here, and I thought I was backing into one of those things. <laughs> and uh, they probably grab me and take me off. <laughs> then he won't. He'll turn me loose so sooner or later. All right. But anyway, they were singing as they were going. And praising God, looking forward to the worship in the house of God. I wonder, did we come to worship on Sunday morning that excited about getting here? And by the way, Patty, I want to tell you again, it was very worshipful today. The songs were uplifting and, and, and just appropriate to what we are about worship today. Notice what the psalmist says. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways, that's Psalms 128, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine. In the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed 
who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. And uh, it is exciting to be able to see our children's children and grandchildren. Peace be upon Israel. We just found out over the weekend that Elaine and I are going to be great-grandpa and grandma again in next January. And so I said, well, it just keeps growing. You know, the great-grandchildren grow faster than the children did, don't they? I mean, they just start. So when it starts, they go. And so, but anyway, the greatest, greatest Father's Day. Daddy, you're my hero. You're you're the one that I love so much. I, Dad, I love you. The man that God blesses. As I suggested, uh, what you think about is laughter and, and, and all the other things that go along with it and the clatter that you have about Father's Day. And you see, it is such a special day together. These verses help us to see that because at least four times in this little small chapter, the word blessed or blessed or happy is mentioned. In verse 1, blessed to everyone. Verse 2, you shall be happy. Verse 4, behold, uh, thus shall the man be blessed. Verse 5, the Lord bless you out of Zion. So I think he's trying to suggest to us how these verses also. As they were singing, they understood that there was protection that there was work that they were able to do, there was a family that they were able to be a part of, and that God was blessing them on their journey as they were making this journey together. And as we make our journey, you are on a journey. Fathers, you're on a journey. You're with your family, and the family is on a journey also together. All right, what is God looking for? What do we find in these six verses that, that he's suggesting to us as a blessed father, a blessed dad? What is he looking for in you and I? Well, I think in verse 1 and 2, he's wanting you to, uh, to see that you can be secure in him. He's looking for you to have security. He's looking for you to trust in him. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And that is walking in the ways of wisdom. God gives us wisdom to be able to father or to be the kind of father that he wants us to be. You're building trust. You as a dad are building trust in your children. And they're learning who to trust, who not to trust. They're learning what to do in life. Howard Hendricks, who taught more than 50 years at Dallas uh, Seminary in Dallas, Texas, had some helpful advice in the form of some negatives and positives in some of his writings, and he was helping the family to trust. In other words, he's trying to bring forth a help for you and I. Very simply, he said, there are some negatives that you don't want to do. And we do this a lot of times anyway, but a negatives, he said, don't compare one of your children with another. He said, uh, use scorn or ridicule or humiliation, especially in areas of weaknesses, don't do it. He said, threaten withdrawal of affection and love, don't do it. 
He said promise with bribes and rewards, don't do it. He said discipline when you're angry, don't do it. He said expect perfection, don't do it. He said be afraid to say no, don't do it. Let these things be things that you will not or you don't want to do uh, to train your children. But how many times we mess up. I told you, I mess up all the time. There's times that I will do some of these and I'll find myself uh, not doing so well because I may get my children, to, I may be uh, taking away everything that, they, that I've built for no telling how long. Maybe their trust level as well. But he said, don't be the negative one with your children, but be positive. Be positive with them. He goes on to say, help them see the disobedience or that disobedience is primarily against God and teach them what that means. He said, impact the expectancy of obedience in their lives. Help the child elevate his uh, or evaluate his disobedience. Help him to understand that. Allow the child to express his own viewpoint at times, even though they may be wrong or we may disagree. Teach them how to talk with each other and teach them when it's wrong, if we disagree or if we agree as well. Restore the fellowship after a discipline. Isn't it hard? Uh, you be uh, spanking, you know, I know it's not right to spank today, but I did. I still believe in it. But discipline, ever how you discipline, you know, and, and you'll say to that child, this hurts me worse than it's hurting you. Did you uh, do you remember hearing that when you were a child? Now this is going to hurt you worse than it's hurting me. How does it hurt them worse than that hickory was hurting me? <laughs> did, did you ever hear them say that? Did they ever do that to you? Well, you know what? I learned what it meant on down the way. When I started disciplining my children, I'd say the same thing. This is going to hurt me. And it did. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to make them cry. I didn't want them, I didn't want them disliking me, I thought. I didn't realize that it wasn't doing those things. I realized that, that it was better to be faithful and be positive and somehow be able to discipline and to be able to show them what discipline means to their lives as well. And restore that fellowship because, you see, you may run. You may go hide. You may crawl under the bed. You may get on the bed. may shut the door and not come out for lunch or dinner or whatever. And uh, because there's a broken relationship. And maybe we feel as a child that we have hurt the feelings of our parent and so we don't want to face them. Or we as parents feel like, man, we have destroyed our child and we just don't want that to happen. But we have to learn that we can restore fellowship together and need to know how to do that. And then somehow sit down and study God's Word together as we look together. Look at verse 1 and 2. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Who eat the labor of your hands. You shall be happy and it shall be well with you. That's what you're doing as you're teaching trust. Verse 2 says, trust the Lord in your work. What you do, wherever you're going. It encourages not only that, but he says in verses 3 and 4, number 2, to be devoted 
to those that you love. Be devoted to those you love. So he said, he's looking in your life, he's looking with us for people who will be secure about our trust. And secondly, be devoted to those who we love or who you love. Verses 3 and 4. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Verse 3, be considerate, Dad, to your wife. Don't expect her to do everything. Don't expect her to do all the discipline. It is a, uh, it is a job for both of us. It is our responsibility. I remember uh, doing this myself also as I was growing up, but I also know my children. They would get us on Sunday morning like we are doing here. At the end of the service, everybody would be coming by, shaking hands, you know, everybody just sitting, talking, talking. And they'd be pulling at you. Can I go home or can I bring, can I bring home, can I, can, and they'd be pulling it. Yes, I guess that's okay. And they have you in a bind at that point, you see. And so they get their way, you know, they get their way. Well, or they will say this. Mama said that it was okay. It, 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 it was whether it's okay with you. She said, go tell daddy, ask him if it's okay. Well, you get home and you start conversing back and forth. You find out that uh, that wasn't the case. You said, no, daddy and I said you can't do it today. We've already made that. And then they get you in that bind where you can't, you know. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Don't expect your wife to do it all. Neither should the wife expect the dad. But it's dad's day, so we need to be talking to dad, don't we? Wives, you can say amen right here because this is dad's day, okay? All right. Verse 3 and 4 also says, be considerate to the children. Be considerate to the children. So not only just the wife shall be like a fruit vine, but in the heart of the house your children as they sit around. We've gotten away from families eating together and, and playing together and laughing together and doing all the other things. Because school has pulled us this way, that way, all those things we're doing, our jobs is just pulling us all every which way. And the first thing you know, we're not even sitting down together. And here the psalmist is saying, the, the, the children around the table, it's kind of like the olive or like a grapevine. I told the early service this morning that I, pre- I planted a grapevine, two different colors of grapes at my house in China Grove. And for the last two years, I've not gotten anything. But this year, it has grown enough that it's got four or five big hanging, beautiful vines of grapes. I just hope that nothing gets them before I can even taste them. But, but that's the reward. That's a blessing. And that's what he's saying. As they're singing, going to the house of God to worship, they're thanking God. They're praising God. They're, they're blessing God for the, for the children as well that God has given them around the table. Thank God, Dad, uh, for the children that you have. And then number three, verses five and six, is we have to be concerned, be concerned where we live. Be concerned about where we live. A good home is not necessarily a big, big mansion. 
It may be just a little cement block, one-room building. It could be a mobile home. Or it could be any sort of things. It could be a house like I have in China Grove that I bought many years ago, built during the war, and I've added on, added on, added on over the years. I wished over the years that I wouldn't have added on, added on, added on. It's too big for Elaine and I now. But what I'm trying to say to you is it was a home. It may not be what other people like, but it's our home. It's a, it's a good place to live. It's a warm place. It's a, it's a place of protection. We need to be concerned where we live, not how valuable, how little, or whatever it is. You see, in that home for the child, the child wants to feel whether he's loved and wanted and knows that he's loved and wanted. Whatever, it could be in a tent somewhere. He has helped to grow up by not having too much or too little done for him in that house. He has some time and some space of his own, kind of like what I just brought to you a moment ago. He is a part of the family and has that has fun and and family belongings and and things of themselves that they have that belongs to themselves. He has growing skills in that home of walking and talking and reading and making things and and he just enjoys things that he has and those that the parent says that's good that's good that's perfect i didn't know you could you have such wonderful skills you have a you you have a gift that god has given and it just makes that kid sparkle and grow as i was suggesting uh in the very very beginning of this sermon As this kid grows in this home, he knows that his parents are doing the very best that they can and that they know the same about him. I did not grow up in uh, a very, uh, I guess you'd call it a highly uh, trained dad. He was a good dad. He worked hard and had a good job. But uh, we didn't have a lot of things when I was growing up. But I want to tell you something. We had love in that home. Daddy and mother loved us and we loved them. And we laughed and we talked and we made homemade ice cream about every Sunday afternoon. We'd invite the neighbors. We'd invite the community. We'd invite the church. We had fun together. And people enjoyed coming to our home. The family that sticks together and and the members help each other one by one. That is the house that we live in. The Lord bless you in verse 5 out of Zion. And may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, and may your children's children peace be upon Israel. So verse 5 and 6 is saying be concerned about the nation you live in, be a part of it, be involved, be concerned about the future. By the way, on Wednesday, I think it was, of last week, we had to go through surveillance. We had to get up about 3 o'clock in the morning to get to the convention center in Dallas, Texas at 8 o'clock because the vice president of the United States was coming to speak to us at 11 o'clock. So if we didn't get in at that time, we probably wouldn't get into the convention. And so we got in and got there and sit. We had a good day to to, uh, 
worship. We had a lot of good things happening. Then the, it, was, it came time for Vice President Pence to come in. And I wish that you would have heard the message that he preached to us. Yes, he preached to us. He challenged us. And he told us that God's mandate for us was to go out and win this world to Jesus. And so as I'm suggesting that to you, I'm just simply saying to you, the Bible here says, peace be upon Israel. Well, that's to the house of God. We're the spiritual Israel as well, not the national Israel, but we're the spiritual Israel as well. And God wants to bless continually. Now, in closing, as God looks uh, at us and he uh, thinks about us and he wants this in our lives. He wants men like you and me to have empathy. Men who put relationships before results. He wants men like you and I to have reliability. Men who put character before conformality. He wants men like you and I in a relationship. Men who put cooperation before competition. He wants men like in you, you and I to be men of promise. Men who put Christ before comfort. And then finally, He wants men. And He desires you and I to be men of bravery. Men who put service before security or any other things. In doing so, men like this do not have any problem to answer the question, Who am I? Whose am I? What am I here for? And where am I going? Psalms 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We could also say, Blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. I want you to watch this video uh, that's entitled, I Will. And listen and take it very seriously as it is played today. I will. And let the Holy Spirit speak to us this morning. I now believe that God desires for every father to courageously step up and do whatever it takes to be involved in the lives of his children. But more than just being there, providing for them, he's to walk with them through their young lives and be a visual representation of the character of God, their Father in heaven. The Father should love his children and seek to win their hearts. He should protect them, discipline them, and teach them about God. He should model how to walk with integrity and treat others with respect. And should call out his children to become responsible men and women who live their lives for what matters in eternity. Some men will hear this and mock it or ignore it. But I tell you that as a father, you are accountable to God for the position of influence he has given you. You can't fall asleep at the wheel only to wake up one day and realize that your job or your hobbies have no eternal value but the souls of your children do. Some men will hear this and agree with it, but have no resolve to live it out. Instead, they will live for themselves 
and waste the opportunity to leave a godly legacy for the next generation. But there are some men who regardless of the mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of what our fathers did not do for us, will give the strength of our arms and the rest of our days to loving God with all that we are and to teach our children to do the same. And whenever possible, to love and mentor others who have no father in their lives, but who desperately need help and direction. And we are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family, because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son to follow Christ, because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. Who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in my family's history? I will. Who will pray for and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do? I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it is my privilege to embrace it. I want the favor of God and his blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you men of courage? Where are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you. And to say, I will. I will. I will. Hymn 133, Shout to the Lord.
service that we did pray for them. Uh-huh. And if you're going to fill up, uh, if you would just come and stand here at the front, we want to pray with you. Yeah, either place of the building, you know, up north or down at the beach.